Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Beloved, thank you so much for joining us again today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. I'm your host, John Russin, and I'm here again with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, living in wonderful South Louisiana. How are you today, my friend? Oh, it's a beautiful day here. How about there in Arizona? Hot well, yet? It's, uh, no, no, it's not too hot, but uh, we have a chance of, of rain and snow in the mountains. And so we took our grandchildren rock climbing today, and there were 50 mile an hour winds running up the canyon. So wow. some of the little guys had trouble standing up. <laughs> oh, well. Well, dear friends, if you've just joined us, you've caught us in the middle of our current series, which we call The One Another's. It's Frank's and my take on life in the body of Christ. It's how God has created us and designed us and equipped us to live this life on earth. Every one another, Frank, that we have talked about has been focused on our lives, what we do, how we act, our works, if you will. But this one begins a shift in our tone. So I'm going to give you a warning, my friend. It's going to be a different conversation today. This one begins a shift. And it focuses on what we say, our words. And our one another for today is from James 5, verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. And I'll tell you, Frank, right out of the box, this one another is the first one that comes with a warning. And we're going to mm. see that warning as we unpack this together. But my friend, you have spoken for many years about the power of the tongue. Frank, why is that important? John, I think probably the key verse that details for us and heralds at our minds and our hearts about this issue is Proverbs 18, 21, where it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And years ago, when I discovered that verse, I went to digging into it and I, the Holy Spirit led me back to the book of Genesis, where God created, but he created by speaking. He said, let it be, and it was so. So God speaks with a creative power. And the thought that was brought to my mind was that we were made in his image. So we were born with a creative power with our words. Unfortunately, in the Garden of Eden, before the fall into sin and death, all that Adam and Eve spoke to each other was life. But after the fall, with the experience of death, the sentence of death, they expressed death. And man has been expressing death ever since with his tongue. So when we become a believer, we are now confronted with a choice. We can either continue to speak death to people with the creative power of our spoken words, or we can function as those who have been restored to the image of God with the living God, Jesus, living in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and once again become the dynamic speakers 
uh, creatively speaking, life into other people. Unfortunately, as you know, John, people don't cooperate with us. And it's very easy to open our mouth in an instant and let death pour out instead of life. Oh boy, isn't that the case? We've all experienced it on both sides of that equation, my friend. Mm. And it's, it's so important that we realize that because of the sin of Adam, we now have a vocabulary, words like fear and hiding and shame that were foreign to us before mm. the fall. So these were just, they came up instantly uh, in our interactions, in our conversations, once we chose to not trust our father any longer. And then basically we start throwing each other under the bus. Mm. <laughs> you know, one through the wife, one through the serpent. So it was basically a big blame fest. But all that comes from the fact that death is now in our repertoire, unfortunately. Even those of us who know better, we have Christ as life, we still can choose to speak death. Wow. Mm. You know, and you said it right. It's a choice. But my friend, it is it is a choice that weaves itself through the fabric of every area of our lives. We are constantly wrestling with this, unless I'm atypical. <laughs> no, John, you're exactly right. Because, you know, we have the New Testament, the book of James, where the Holy Spirit says nobody can master the tongue. It's like a raging fire. It's destructive. It's like the little rudder of a ship. You've got this great big ship, but the little tiny rudder controls the ship. And without the Holy Spirit's power and the renewing of our mind, we can almost instinctively, I, I don't like using that word, but it's true. Our, we can just so quickly speak and, oh, wish we could get those words back. But once they come out, you stupid idiot, can't you do anything right? Why can't you be like your brother? I wish you'd never been born. I hate you. Oh my goodness. And the list just goes on and on and on. And you know, John, I, I also think that it's tied to that lie of the garden that we shall be as God. And so within every one of us is a God residual that thinks we're in control. We know better we're the best judge. And so instantly with that godness residual, we judge and criticize and condemn and shame. And this may be our biggest uh, battlefront in terms of the journey of faith is the issue of the tongue. I think you're right, my friend. You and I have talked about this before, but there's this childhood little phrase that goes something like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, you and I have talked about this, <clears throat> and there is no shortage of scripture that proves that little phrase wrong. I've just got a few of them here, my friend. Proverbs 18, words go down into the innermost parts of man because they can attack who you think you are. <clears throat> Proverbs 11, with our mouth, we can destroy our neighbor. You know, if, if we mm. just punch them, they'd have a bruise on their face. But with our mouth, we can do so much more damage. And here, Proverbs 12, there are those who speak and their words are like the piercing of a sword that cuts 
and tears. And uh, my goodness, Frank, that certainly sounds like these words can and do hurt us very greatly, don't they? And, you know, John, just think about that little rhyme told across the country. Every child is taught it, learns it, says it. And it may be one of the biggest lies the enemy has ever sold into humanity's hearts. Words, oh goodness, words can never hurt me. What a sham, what a lie. I've got so many people in the counseling arena who are well into adulthood, who remember those words from a teacher, from a parent, from a so-called friend, a boss, and they are still there in the memory banks 20, 30, 40 years later, and still doing the job of cutting and wounding and shaming. It's such a desperate need for us to come to understand the true words about us from God's word, because like you said, this is very important. I hope our listeners heard it. Uh, Faulty words can give us the wrong identity. And then we live out of that false identity. And it's not how we want to live. No, sir, it's not. And uh, dear listeners, if you need any more examples, just pick up the book of James and skim through it. The tongue can set a, a great forest on fire. It, it just opens up a world of iniquity. It defiles the entire body. That's interesting. We'll talk about that because it reflects negatively on us too. And James says plainly in his third chapter, no one can tame the tongue in their own strength. But Frank, we know there is a solution, don't we? Mm. There is one who can tame the tongue. Tell us about that one. (laughs) The tongue is not omnipotent. (laughs) It can feel like it. But I know James put an out there. And that out is the Holy Spirit. And he can control the tongue. And so it's really interesting, John. We we talked earlier about in the image of God, we were made creators. We create by speaking. And since the fall, we create by speaking. We speak death now. But Jesus is the real key here, the new covenant. We learn in the New Testament, it says the new covenant is spirit. It's life. John 4 said we will worship in spirit and truth. So when I think one of the big mistakes that believers make is they think they're going to try to stop the tongue on their own. They say, I'm not going to say those words. I'm going to restrain my lips. Uh, James has already said you can't do it. Uh, Well, I'll memorize a bunch of verses. Well, that'll give you a bunch of knowledge. But knowledge doesn't bring power. Power has to come from a person, from the spirit. And I think we need to get our methodology right by looking to Jesus. We don't follow Jesus' behavior, but we follow his method. And in John 6, he made these incredible words. He said, I live out of the Father or from the Father. And then he says, you now live from or out of me. So when we look at Jesus, he says in John 5, as I hear, I judge. In John 8, he said, as I hear, I speak. So there's the method. We need to learn 
not to stop our tongue, but to depend on the Holy Spirit and learn the walk of faith and listen for his voice where he will say in that still small voice, don't say those words. (laughs) And he'll be the one to help us walk this out and once again, become a speaker of life instead of a speaker of death. Yes, I agree 100%, my friend. Titus 2, verses 11 and 12, sort of capture all of this. I'm listening to you talk, and it says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. We know that the grace of God was Jesus. Mm. And this is the key part, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And so, yes, you can walk through your life and you can have a guarded tongue. You can speak love. You can speak life just as our Savior did. But as Frank pointed out, it depends upon your trust and reliance on the Holy Spirit to speak to you so that you can speak his words, not yours. Mm. You know, John, as I'm listening to you, this thought popped in my brain too. It's also an issue of love because we know God is love and therefore the spirit is love as that third person of the Godhead. And he is in us. He wants to express that love through us to others. His love is unconditional. So when we look at the life of Jesus, people slandered him and he loved them in return. They betrayed him. They spoke against him, but there was love. There was finally controlled anger a few times when he cleansed the temple and when he had to speak very firmly to the Pharisees and remind them of the woe they were bringing upon themselves. But Most of us will be able to love others and speak life until they speak death to us. And then it's, we instantly switch on to uh, the version of Lamech. Remember him from Genesis? (laughs) If God has vengeance for those who hurt Cain tenfold, I will have vengeance a hundredfold on those who hurt me. And we tit for tat. And I'll speak gently to you, but as soon as you speak against me, boy, it's coming right back at you. And so it's really a failure to depend upon the Holy Spirit to love people too, I think at the root of this. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, my friends, we have spent, oh, a bunch of time just talking about background right now, the importance of speaking words of life. And Frank, we're going to take a moment now and just dive into our one another for the day. Hopefully we can get through all this. And Mm -hmm. that is don't grumble against one another. So, of course, being the professor type that I am, I wanted to know what grumbling means. And guess what, Frank? It means exactly what you think it means. <laughs> you know, it means to complain, to moan and groan and whine. Bellyache, I guess that's a, a Southern phrase, make a fuss. And so I wrote all those down as I'm praying through this, getting ready. The Holy Spirit added another one. I guess this is where I want to I dive in and talk about this. It's also sowing negative thoughts. This is what I mean. Mm. This is the example that the spirit gave to me. Let's say someone 
really slanders you. And by the way, listeners, our next episode will be on slander. So Mm. if you struggle with this, you might want to skip that one. I know I wanted to, (laughs) but let's just say someone really speaks poorly, drags your name through the mud. We could say something like, wow, I don't know why she said that about me. Maybe she's struggling and she needs me to pray for her. I think I'll do that. Or I could say, hey, Frank, this person said this about me. Maybe she's on drugs. And you see, what I've just done is I've taken that circumstance and I've turned it into a barb and I've stabbed that person back for grumbling against me. And I've planted a seed in your mind that, Mm -hmm. wow, maybe there's, maybe she's got the serious problem. Maybe she's on drug. So I've just poisoned I've, I've, just, I've just made her poison in your mind. So friends, grumbling doesn't just mean grumble, grumble, complain, whine. It also means those subtle things that you turn right around and stab somebody back, as Frank mentioned before. Hmm. It's a fascinating thing. I was listening to you and, and I had these thoughts too. You know, from 2 Corinthians 5, we're not supposed to look at anyone after the flesh. But if I grumble about somebody, I'm looking at them after the flesh. I'm not seeing them for who they are in Christ. If I have a problem with that person, the Bible's very clear, go to that person, take the log out of your own eye first, then you can take the speck out of theirs. If you've got something, scripture's clear, leave your offering at the altar and and go reconcile, pursue peace. But it's so much easier, John, just to speak a little word that's negative, put them down. You feel better about yourself. After all, you're right because you're God. That's right. <laughs> you know? And so it's, it's just so easy to do. But those negative thoughts are tearing down a child of God. And boy, Romans is pretty clear on that. Don't, don't do that because... They don't answer to you. They answer to their father. And who are you to judge your father's kid? That's not your role. <laughs> yeah. But boy, we step into it. You know, Frank, you oh. and I have joked many times when people have heard us this way. And we jokingly would say, huh, how dare they do that to God? Don't they know who I am? Well, yeah. uh, thank you. Great, great, great grandfather, Adam, for uh, for that gift, because uh, that aspect of the flesh certainly haunts, I, I would say, practically all of us, if not all of us. You know, John, can I have another thought? Sure. Are we also, when we grumble, also not tearing down God? You know what I mean? We're questioning his goodness or his faithfulness to even work in the life of that person we're talking about. And we're speaking negatively about God and how he runs the universe and how he works in our lives. And he takes this so seriously that you remember when Miriam grumbled against Moses? Oh, yes. He, bam, struck with leprosy. He really takes this seriously. And, you know, that's probably the root of the second half of that verse where he says, because you might be judged. And I think that's, you know, you might be disciplined because God takes this so seriously. Indeed, he does. And 
We're talking about words now. Mm-hmm. As I pondered this, this topic, Frank, I think the, the danger for grumbling goes far beyond just the words that we speak. Because if, you know, grumble, the word grumble is an onomatopoeia. Mm-hmm. And it's a word that sounds just like its meaning, like drip or buzz or giggle or something like that. But you don't have to actually speak words to mm. grumble. You can grumble in your heart. It's mm. when you take those negative thoughts and you rehearse them, you juggle them, you refine them, you cultivate them. Boy, they taste so good. And one of these days, this person is going to have it if I ever tell them. So you don't have to actually open your mouth to be grumbling, because even if you keep your mouth closed and don't speak a word, your attitude is there. It's growing, it's thriving, and my friend, it's developing into a root of bitterness. And Hebrews 12 is very clear about that, about how to deal with the root of bitterness. So grumbling, (laughs) grumbling sinks way down into us, man. It doesn't just come out of our mouth. It actually grows in us and begins to twist us as well. Mm, Boy, you know, as I'm listening to you, the thing that popped in my head was that old story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know what I mean? We are the Dr. Jekyll in Christ, but if we let that root get in there and we grumble, grumble, we're going to turn into Mr. Hyde. That's a fascinating thing. John, I had this thought as well. What we're really doing when we grumble against each other is we're saying we don't like that person. We don't like what they're doing. We don't like what they're saying. We don't like what's happening. And I have been meditating on a verse of late because my life is so crazy right now. But the verse is this. In Psalm 119, it says, all things are your servants, O Lord. John, that's an amazing verse. He uses all things for his purposes. He doesn't cause them all, but they all are used by him to serve his purpose. So when these things happen that make me grumble, I'm really refuting that verse because I'm kind of telling God, I don't like the thing you're doing here and allowing here, and my plan's better than your plan. Instead of receiving and saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach me? Anyway, just a thought I had. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, it goes back to that same old disease that we've kicked around between us for years. I know better, itis. (laughs) And boy, does that come back to haunt me a lot. Uh, Frank, I think this is where, in a very real way, the warning that James gives, it's where it comes into play. You know, it says, don't grumble against one another so that you won't be judged. Well, Mm. you know, if you really are harboring this kind of bitterness and resentment, it won't take long before you begin to critically evaluate and criticize a lot of other things that this person happens to do. And so very soon, uh, a little seed of discontent, of frustration can suddenly grow so that every time you look at them, you just shudder. You just can't even stand to be with them. And I'll tell you something, man, when you have this attitude in you, you cannot, well, not only you, we cannot 
bottle this up. That attitude will seep out somewhere. Mm. And you and I have both been around people who have just carrying around jugs of bitterness and resentment against who knows how many people. Mm. And it doesn't take just but the drop of a hat before some of those jugs begin to spill and that seeps out. And when it happens, boy, people can get hurt. Relationships are damaged, maybe even destroyed, Frank. That's the, the warning to us because we're just, we're just kind of walking time bombs when it comes to this attitude. Mm. And, you know, you said relationships can be destroyed. When you destroy enough relationships, you can also create division in the body of Christ. If you grumble to enough people, oh, yeah. then, then there's that party spirit in the church, like Corinth was known for. And well, you and I have seen that happen over the years when we were elders in a church, where grumbling was contagious. And then pretty soon there was a whole movement. And I think that's why, again, the Holy Spirit takes this so seriously you know, we know that people aren't going to be judged by God. Their sin is dealt with at the cross. But one, he does discipline. And I also think that verse might be talking about the judgment that comes from the body of Christ. Yes. Because Romans 16 says, mark those people who cause division and carve them out, separate them. Because we're told by the Spirit in Ephesians 4 that we are one in the body of Christ. But we have to preserve that unity. We have to protect it. And so we can't allow grumbling. And so that, that's maybe what the Holy Spirit's talking about there. Yeah. Well, I can, I can picture this, Frank, that we're standing around. And although I might do this, you certainly wouldn't because you're holier <laughs> than I. But uh, I would say uh, a disparaging comment about someone. And then I would quickly say, oh, Wow, I should not have said that. I apologize for that. Father, thank you. I'm forgiven. But if that becomes my modus operandi, if the only thing that I ever say when I'm hanging out with you is to complain and grumble about people, pretty soon you're going to begin to make judgments about me. Mm. Uh, you're going to begin to judge my attitudes, my motives. And even though I might say, hey, I love that person, you're going to listen between the lines and you're going to say, hmm, he says he loves them, but boy, I just don't see it in the rest of his life. And so my reputation is now damaged in your eyes and you're going to pull away from me because I can very quickly become uh, just a very irritating, I hate to use this word because it's so common and so misused, but kind of a toxic person. You don't want to be around them. And so mm. this, is, this is not what Christ's life in us looks like. But boy, mm. when we are walking according to the flesh, we can exhibit this, my goodness, as if we're old pros at it. Mm. When I was just listening to you with a toxic relationship, one of the things that I've said to people who function like this, and I've, I've really sought to do it in love, and, but I tell them being around you is like being around a porcupine. <laughs> because if I get too close, I'm going to get stuck uh, with the negative, critical, judgmental, complaining, 
quills of your life. And like you said, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will be lonely because people don't want to be around that kind of person. Uh, they don't, it's hard to hug a porcupine, John. <laughs> yes, it is. And uh, you and I both can uh, rattle off a list of, of names of people we know who have lived their lives in exactly this way. And of course, they're, they become bitter and resentful because they're lonely. They don't have the intimacy they want. They don't have the friends. And so, yes, they, a lot of what they're suffering uh, has been because they've created it themselves. Mm. Wow. And so it's just, you know, you talked about a porcupine, Frank. And I'm thinking, what kind of animal doesn't get stuck by a porcupine? Mm. Well, there are two kinds. A one that never comes in contact with the porcupine. So they're totally separate. But another one might be an armadillo. And you know, my friend, we both have been through so much in our lives that has been hurtful. And it is so easy to build up those armor plates so that when the porcupine quills of somebody else stab us, uh, they don't bother us anymore because we can no longer feel them. The problem is that when someone loves on us, we don't feel that either. Mm-hmm. And so this whole thing, as, I, as I've thought about it, is like this giant suction, this spiral drawing everyone down uh, into this pit of despair. You know, I know that's your favorite movie, uh, <laughs> you know, of Princess Bride, the pit of despair. But my friend, it truly is. And whether you are the type of person who just walks around with quills and pokes people, or you're the type of person who wraps themselves in armadillo plates um, they both lead to nothing but despair loneliness mm. emptiness and uh, mm. boy what this is not what christ died to give us Mm-mm. boy a lot of us really settle for it don't we frank yeah you know I, again i think the one the armadillo it's self-protection but you know i think at its core john the porcupine is self-protection too He's just keeping people from even getting close enough to hurt where the armadillo says, you can try, but you're not going to hurt me because I've cut the whole world off. And again, it's not the picture that we want to present to the world of who Christ is and what he can do. You know, it's funny, John, I I did find a, a card. One of the things Janet and I do is we give cards to each other and it had a porcupine and an armadillo on the cover with, <laughs> with, with a heart in the middle. And you opened up the card and it says, do you think we can make this work? <laughs> the answer is no, but, but Jesus can. Yeah, that's right. You know, as we begin to wrap this up, my friend, uh, I want to remind our listeners that if they are struggling with an attitude of grumbling, if they see themselves complaining, belly aching, uh, whatever you want to call it, sowing negative thoughts, you know, planting seeds of, of rejection and bitterness in people's minds everywhere. That's not your sin nature. That's you walking after the flesh. Hmm. That is not who you really are. Hmm. Our Jesus died and gave us his life so that we would be his ambassadors on earth so that his life would be our life. So basically, my friend, when we're walking around either as porcupines or as armadillos, 
basically we are living lies because that is not who we are. It may be how we've lived for 60 years, but it is not who we are, is it? Mm. No, John, it certainly isn't. And he came to give us life. The great glory is we get to experience the life, but we dare not stop there. We've got to express that life, uh, even to those that are hard to express it to sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, isn't that right? And there are many of those, aren't they, my friend? In fact, I have been that person on uh, more than one occasion, I'm very sad Mm. to say. Me too. Well, dear friends, we've had a very uncomfortable conversation today because uh, I see me all over. Everything we've talked about, I have failed in so many ways related to this, and I know Frank has as well. Mm -hmm. But I will cue you up that the next topic, our next episode, is going to be slander. It's what happens when you let that grumbling get out of hand Mm -hmm. and you don't control it. So, uh, Frank, any last thoughts before we sign off today? Yeah, and you know what? These aren't going to be easy ones either, John, but this was in my mind when you were wrapping up. This is a charge I want to make, especially to the grace community. I fear that we grumble a lot about churches that have not yet discovered the life of the new covenant. I think we grumble a lot against the pastors who have not had their eyes opened yet. And we say things like they're a legalist, they're such a religionist, they're in bondage and all these kind of things, John. And we forget that we were one of them (laughs) until God opened our eyes. And we're never going to win them to the new covenant by grumbling and complaining about them. Uh, we've got to speak life about those people too. They are the brothers and sisters we have. They just don't know what they have yet. Their eyes haven't been opened. And we're not going to reach them if we're not with them. So. Amen. Well said, my friend. And isn't that exactly the way our Savior handles us? Because until we came to whatever understanding we have of Christ's life, we too struggled with confusion. Wow. All right, dear friends, thanks again for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Frank and I have been chatting our way through the one another's uh, life in the body of Christ, at least life in the body of Christ, as uh, we can understand it ideally from Scripture. Please take a moment, visit our website. You'll find us at OurResoluteHope.com. We've got a bunch of stuff up there, uh, including a clever little animation called The Really Great News. We want to draw your attention to that. And please scroll to the bottom of that homepage, pop us an email, let us know what you think, send us some thoughts. We invite you to sign up for our newsletter. Frank and I put those out about twice a month. We've got some books that are available as well. Uh, Frank's latest book, Finding God of the Gray, is available on Amazon. And we've got uh, just got the proofs back on another children's book. So that should be rolling out pretty soon. And uh, please uh, check us out on uh, all of our social media platforms. That includes Facebook, Instagram. Uh, and if you've not visited our YouTube channel, please check us out there. You'll find all kinds of things that would uh, attract your interest. And of course, your favorite podcast station, iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music. And so my friend Frank, once again, we close with this 
kind of our sign-off reminder from Hebrews chapter 6, that we, all of us, have a hope as an anchor for our souls. It's a resolute hope. It's a living hope. It's a hope that just won't quit. And that hope is Jesus. So today and always, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.